This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Ren Wadsworth. And I'm Maximus Hunter. This is going to be a very special episode of the Rocky Mountain Review today. We are dedicating our whole hour to discussing last week's blackface incident. So first we'll be joined in the studio by the news director at the Collegian and CTV, Raven Culler and Ed- Edgar Zadio, to discuss the timeline of the incident and the impact it has had on students around CSU's campus. We will also be joined by student guests as well as um, some experts and uh, members of student leadership who will all be in studio discussing this with us. Uh, in the meantime, though, we have our own local Raven. You want to say hi? Hello. We also have Edgar. Hello. Sorry, I'm very sick, so I don't sound as good as I normally do. <laughs> That's yeah. all right. None of us are doing super uh, physically well right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we just have a couple of questions. Um, so Raven's going to help us cover, Raven's been helping us cover this story, and she's going to tell us a timeline on the events of the blackface incident. So first off, Raven, what happened around the time that the photo was taken? So according to a couple of people we've interviewed, including um, the female in the photo, uh, the image was taken Sunday night. The students were put on a um, black face mask that they had gotten on the plaza that week. Um, the image has uh, the one female and three males. Um, they said that they decided to take a picture uh, and that one of them made a comment about the Black Panther movie. Um, and then two of the students um, did the symbol from Black Panther where they cross their arms over their chest. Um, and the image was taken and posted to uh, the female Snapchat. Uh, following that, another student approached uh, the female about the image. Uh, according to the student, she tried to explain to the, the girl in the photo why it was offensive. Um, and she was not receptive. So the student uh, who was trying to speak to the girl in the photo uh, took a screenshot of it and put it on her own Snapchat. Uh, The female in the photo then blocked that student. Um, So she put it on Instagram as well. Um, After that, it picked up a lot of steam on social media. um, And by, I believe, Tuesday, the university released an email Um, addressing the incident and basically saying that they were not going to take any punitive actions against the students in the photo um, under consideration of their First Amendment rights. There was quite a bit of backlash to this email from the university. Um, Students did a a fairly large amount of uh, chalk protest on the plaza um, and as of Thursday, I believe of last week, Joyce McConnell sent another email um, listing actions that she was going to lead as the president of the university um, to try to, uh, to prevent incidences like this in the future. Most of them were funding projects or leading discussions with um, students and faculty members. Um, so following that, uh, this week... ASCSU Senate had about 700 to 750 students at their session last night. Uh, It had to be moved from the ASCSU Senate chambers up to the North Ballroom, and that had to be opened up to two ballrooms because the the amount of people attending was um, too large for um, the fire marshal's regulations. Um, 
the Senate session lasted from 6.30 in the afternoon to about 1 a.m. in the morning. Uh, there was about three hours of galley comments. Usually that only lasts about a half an hour. And the galley comments was extended or were extended twice uh, by senators who moved to have them extended. Um, and for those three hours, mostly students of color, but um, some other students stood up to talk about their experiences with races on, racism on campus, um, how the actions of the university hadn't been helping them feel safe, um, hadn't been addressing the issues on campus because incidences like these uh, have been happening quite frequently over the last five years. Um, and afterwards, uh, the Senate took about a 10-minute recess and came back to vote on two resolutions. The first was basically a formal con condemnation of the image by ASCSU. Uh, that passed um, with only one person opposing, and uh, nobody abstained from that vote. Following that, they also passed a resolution which um, basically asked the university to take accountability for the image, um, to take action to uh, make an image like this, um, images with blackface, or there have been images in the past with uh, symbols like the swastika, um, nooses, uh, to, to deem these hate speech on campus and take action, and also ask the university to, um, as, as the authors of the bill put it, to call it as it is and formally um, say that it, it is blackface and it is hate speech. Um, so both of those passed um, with 30 or more votes um, in support. And then today, uh, Joyce McConnell's first fall address, there was a silent protest. Um, I ha don't have all the information on that protest yet. We had a number of reporters from both the Collegiate and CTV um, there with the protesters and there at the event. So there will be full coverage of both her address and the protest coming out uh, tonight in the Collegian. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Raven. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. We're actually going to take a break, but stay tuned because afterwards Edgar Cedillo is going to give us a little information about some impacts this has had on students on CSU's campus. So Bef stay tuned wait, for that. Before we take a break, real quick, we'd like to pose a question to our listeners. Um, listeners, uh, because it's been such a, uh, whirlwind of a couple of weeks, we'd like to know is there, if there's anything, any part of this incident that people would like to know more about, uh, if you have questions about the timeline of this incident, you can text us at 970-491-5278. That's 970-491-5278. We will also be asking this question on Facebook at KCSUFM and Twitter at at KCSUFM. And we do have a Facebook live stream going, so if you want to comment your questions to that, we will take questions from all of those outlets. Yeah. Thank you again for joining us, Raven. All right. Stay tuned for Edgar Cedillo. Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ren Wattsworth. And I'm Maximus Hunter. And we're joined in studio today by CTV's news director, Edgar Cedillo. Hi, everyone. <laughs> And Edgar's here today because he's going to explain to us the impact this picture has had on students across CSU's campus. So I suppose just to kick it off, um, what students were you able to interview? Um, well, a lot of the students I've been interviewing are students of color just because 
they are the ones that have been affected the most by this interview by the interview and the photo as well um and just overall i've been trying to reach out to all csu students and stuff like that too so it's been a lot of emotion based off from these interviews that i've gotten so what did students have to say about the impact this picture had on them to you edgar I think the resounding thing that uh, students have said is that they've all said they're shocked but not surprised because this isn't the first time this has happened. This is, I think, the fourth in the last four years that this has right. happened. Um, a lot of, the, especially the seniors that I spoke to, say that this has happened every year. Um, so a lot of them say they're not surprised this keeps happening on campus because it's essentially this culture that's embedded to CSU. And at the same time, they express a lot of disappointment because obviously a lot of them and a lot of students aren't happy with how the university and administration and Joyce McConnell has responded to these incidences. And just the way that they're just the tactics that the university uh, um, is using because obviously it is very public relation e right and they're trying to like save face and etc so i think a lot of them are disappointed because of the lack of action that the school's the lack of action that the school has taken on these students but at the same time you know, at the end of the interviews that I got to, I asked him if they, I asked him like how they felt going forward. And I think a lot of them still have hope that something will change. Um, I think a lot of them were, especially today, after today, seeing that protest at the fall address, um, I think a lot of them think that change has begun because of this incident so i think you know there i think that there is still hope that you know the administration will hopefully do something that the administration will listen to the students so i think overall there's a lot of emotions that students feel um you know it's been a lot of obviously anger directed at the student who posted this and at student media not gonna lie like right. we at student media have taken a lot of the heat and it's understandable that we are getting heat taken for it so um but apart from uh, the anger i think a lot of it is disappointment and fear not be not only because it's just like students you know one of the questions that i asked students when I was interviewing with them was at any point did they ever consider leaving CSU and a lot of them said it crossed their mind but at the same time by them leaving CSU would only be giving power to those wow that's a that's a powerful point and a powerful powerful perspective yeah. yeah thank you very much Edgar we uh we really appreciate you coming in and sharing your experience with us today um, we are going to take another quick break, but when we get back, we're going to have um, some more student perspectives on the air, including 
Uh, the student who originally shared the uh, Snapchat. Um, not, not the one who posted it, but the one who originally shared it for people to see. Um, so we'll be right back with that. But in the meantime, we do have a, uh, a question for our listeners. Uh, did this um, post, did this incident impact you personally? And if it did impact you personally, we would love to hear your stories. Um, you can text them to us at 970-491-5278. That's 970-491-KCSU. Or you can send them to our Facebook. We have a Twitter question going, and we also have a Facebook live stream that you can comment your responses on. Uh, we will be right back. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ren Wadsworth. And I'm Maximus Hunter, and we are joined in studio by some very special guests. We have three student guests. Would you guys mind introducing yourselves? Hi, um, my name is Deborah Duro. Hi, my name is Joshua Oldehoff. Hi, my name is Erica LaFerre. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, so we did actually, we got a uh, question over the break um, from a gentleman named Darren. And Darren asks a question that I think we should have a pretty good time answering in this next segment. The question he asked is, uh, why should we care? And I think we have a lot of people who have a lot of good answers to that here with us. So uh, first, could uh, each of you guys describe your uh, experience or involvement with the blackface incident on campus? Yeah, so um, initially what happened was I was doing homework with Josh and I was on Snapchat and I came across Leanna's post. So um, I slid up, talked to her, tried to explain to her why it was wrong to post something like that. Um, she didn't understand, and she told me not to take it so hard because it wasn't a dick. And from that point on, I screenshotted it, and I posted it on my Snapchat. And she blocked me on Snapchat, so I later on posted it on my Instagram. She blocked me on there, and then the issue escalated from there. Thank you so much. Um, moving down the line, Joshua, what about you? Um, so my experience was basically what she said. I was just um, doing homework with her, and we were just we were just basically going over some home, like some studying studying like processes. And uh, she posted about it, and as soon as I saw it, I posted about it immediately as well. And um, I don't know, it just kind of like like immediately right after she posted, I I I, I like I posted about it. I actually messaged her, or I almost messaged her. Yeah, uh, we discussed it in our room. And my friends actually, I posted about it on my on my story. My friends talked about it with me, and they started posting it as well. And it just, yeah. Gotcha. Thanks for sharing, Joshua and Erica. What about you? So I'm not as directly involved as these two. Um, my role is more so um, the fact that I'm a second year graduate in the ethnic studies department here, or graduate student rather. And so um, my involvement, um, not just as a student, but I've been an activist here on campus for the last three years. Um, last year. Um, I was a main organizing member in Students Against White Supremacy, um, in which we were trying to um, organize the campus <clears throat> in response to the acts of white supremacy that had happened prior to this incident. And so when I saw that this happened, I also started sharing on social media and um, organizing the students that I knew um, in terms of um, anticipating a response. Gotcha. Thank you very much for sharing. Awesome. And then just going down the line a little bit again, if you all would be willing to describe your background and how this experience kind of influenced your perspective, how it impacted you personally. Um, yeah, so if we'll just start um, on the right side with Josh. Um, so my life has been, I guess, pretty diverse. I've, I've gone to mostly diverse schools and, and um, I've been 
pretty big for my I, I've been into like social justice in my schools as well and uh, I just felt like I like when this happened I guess I just had like, almost like like ob, ob, like obligated to get in, in, into it um, like throughout high school I I, 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 I went through I, I went through like Black Student Alliance and I went through um like different clubs for I guess quote unquote minorities I guess like um, just to get more involved in and so like when this happened I just I guess I needed to get in, involved as well right um, yeah and like for me I'm from Ghana a place in West Africa and um, as a person of color like a woman of color I've always experienced like discrimination and racism so obviously this like got my attention and um, I really felt drawn to speak out about these issues because I always do right um, so <clears throat> I am um, from a white working class background um, in a steel borough from Pittsburgh. And so uh, race relations has always been pretty central to my life in terms of um, racism back on the East Coast looks a little bit different. It's a little bit more in your face. And so I've always been aware of things such as blackface. Um, and then also coming to CSU and being in ethnic studies has offered me a lot of opportunities to deconstruct my own whiteness um, and the ways in which I participate in white supremacy. And so when this happened, um, you know, it's it's very deeply impactful because it's like seeing, you know, my fellow white women still perpetuating the same racism that we have been um, for centuries. Um, and so, like, it's really important as a white identified woman to uh, speak out against it. Right. Right on. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so um, and. Erica, you, so having been um, at this campus for a bit longer, you'll definitely have some answers to this, but is this the only racial insensitivity you've noticed at CSU? And if it's not, what else have you noticed? Sure. And so before I answer that question, I think it's also really important to recognize that when we talk about these things, we're not actually talking about insensitivities. We're talking about actual microaggressions. So um, blackface, racial slurs, swastikas, um, these are all very harmful um, things, right? Like an insensitivity in a sense is like maybe hurt feelings, but this is a little bit like this is a lot deeper, actually. So um, in terms of being on campus for a lot longer, um, I've been present for more, probably at least three instances of swastikas being put on walls. I was here for the noose at Newsom incident um, and um, also the border wall that was erected um, by um, students in the plaza. That was probably actually my first, the first thing that I noticed. Um, and that isn't to say, right, like other things were happening, but the thing that really caught my attention, because the thing with the border wall was that it was meant to really uh, provoke students into um, quote unquote dialogue. And really what ended up happening is the students who put up the wall uh, were telling undocumented students that they, they needed to leave and that they didn't come back uh, or they didn't come here the right way. And the students who knew Spanish were actually telling the undocumented students in Spanish that they were dirty um, and I thought that was pretty significant because they thought somehow that because they were speaking Spanish they could get away with that but um, they couldn't um, so yeah wow yeah um, yeah anything to add um, just like being here on this campus I noticed there's like a extreme disconnect like when I see like the white people here and um, it almost makes me uncomfortable just because I don't see anyone on this campus. I mean, I do know some people who, like, say the N-word sometimes, but, like, yeah, that's, like, pretty much all I've experienced. And then this blackface issue. Um, 
I haven't really experienced anything besides this this huge outcome. I I do agree with the, like the whole disconnect thing. Like in class, I've seen people um, disconnect from like. There's a girl I know who's in my psychology philosophy class who um, had joined our group. I guess of a whole table of bike kids, and um, I had just joined the group as well from a whole different table, and um, we were talking for like a good like 20 minutes, and as soon as she came over, the whole table would have shut down. None of us have talked since. We barely talk at all. All we do is just do work, and that's it. Um, there's no actual connection, and it, like the topic of disconnection is like really big to me. So yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. And make sure you stay tuned because after this, we're going to be talking to these same students about how we can move forward from this incident. Yep. Uh, and if you listeners have any questions for these students, uh, you can please send us a text at 970-491-5278. That's 970-491-KCSU. Or we have that Facebook live stream going. You can comment on there. Uh, we have a Facebook status with these questions as well as Instagram posts. So if you respond, we'll try to get back to you as best we can. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ren Wadsworth. And I'm Maximus Hunter, and we are joined in the studio by three lovely student guests. Would you mind introducing yourselves? Hi, I'm Erica LaFair. Hi, I'm Deborah Durham. Hi, I'm Josh. Josh Olohoff, yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to come in and talk with us today. So we're joined in studio by Deborah Oduro, uh, Josh Aldehoff, and these are two students who are actually involved in posting <coughs> Leanna Kaplan's picture onto Ist Instagram. And we're also joined by Erica LaFair. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Uh, a second-year a second year graduate student at Colorado State University, and she is studying ethnic studies. Um, so we've actually got a couple of texts that came in. Yeah. Um. So um, this one, to censor it a little bit, says, Wow, you millennials seem like a bunch of redacted. Uh, what would you care more about? Why would you care more about hate speech than free speech? You believe in your free speech. How is that freedom only for those that hold the same point of view? So if you guys kind of want to take on that uh, question. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> looks at me. So um, I think it's really interesting. Um, so I guess I should, I should specify. In my studies, in ethnic studies, um, I look a lot at whiteness. Um, in particular, the ways that it moves um, in our contemporary society and how um, currently specifically how it is implicated in the way our nation is built. Um, so um, in terms of First Amendment rights, I think that a lot of people have a really simplistic understanding uh, as to what freedom of speech entails. Um, right. And actually, when we talk about it, we're talking really a lot more about like what the government is entitled in terms to uh, free speech. Um, and also this idea that it's only for like one point of view is really interesting because we actually have a lot of political prisoners uh, that don't share like the same view. Um, and so in terms of this question, right, of like, why would you care more about hate speech versus free speech um, I think it's really <clears throat> interesting that at a baseline level uh, when we think about this right like why wouldn't we care about other people when we are speaking um, right just like the simple act of treat people the way that you would hope to be treated um, just because you should say something or just because you want to say something doesn't mean that you actually should say it right and the fact that hate speech is tied to uh, hate crimes and actions and so when we look at acts of um, 
racial slurs and blackface, um, where we actually situate them in terms of um, acceptable and non-acceptable um, white supremacist behavior, it's actually still one of the last forms of white supremacy that's considered unacceptable. And so when we make excuses for it, we normalize it, and this actually opens up the gateway for uh, levels of violence in terms of like actual like physical escalation, um, which will also then be normalized. Wow, that was uh, very well thought out and thought-provoking. Thank you very much, Erica. Yeah, Deborah and Josh, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, just to piggy- piggyback off of what she said, um, I think it's just the golden rule, just to go back to that tree, others, the way that you want to be treated. So just to be mindful of like how you're addressing others and just to have like common courtesy, I feel like that should just be common sense. Yeah, right. everyone should think about how what, like, what they say before they say it and whether or not it affects someone else. And free speech should be free speech, but also be um, like not just toward, like towards someone or like just making someone, I guess, or like or like, or like a majority of people just like feel lesser than or, or something like that. They just, I don't know, they should be able to like talk to them like free speech. Not. Right. Gotcha. So uh, going forward from this incident, what do you personally think, what actions can we take as a campus, as a student body to respond to an incident like this better in the future? Um, I think first we should um, make, like, so when the whole incident happened, Joyce McConnell basically sent out an email saying that, like, she couldn't do anything because they were protected under the First Amendment and, like, it wasn't affiliated with the school or anything, even though they go here. And I think since CSU has um, a history of, um, like, these incidents, we should probably start talking about them more instead of, like, shutting people down and calling others insensitive for wanting to talk about issues that affect um, people who are marginalized in society. So um, I think maybe, hmm, I guess what I'm trying to say is like we should just have a place where people can have conversation um, and just really acknowledge the issue, whether that be like in classes or like something, you know, like that. Right. I think that... um, what we should do is yeah, like a, a place where we can all talk. I I really think an idea is like like a, I guess with that vote, I like the safe space, I guess, um, where we can all talk as like a whole group on discussions. Um, some people have like like some people think that that this whole, uh, I guess um, problem pro, pro yeah problem was just not a huge thing. It was just like some blowover thing, and some people think this is actually really huge. I think people there should be a place where we can actually like talk about that like like without any like like fights or like um or outbursts, we should just be able to like, talk normally to each other. I'd, I'd love to focus on that point, actually, because we're running out of time, but that is something uh, I think we should definitely talk about well, since we're all students here. Uh, what kind of resources would you like to see available to students of color and people <coughs> affected by these, and what kind of resources do you think should be available at CSU for students to use to discuss issues like, uh, ra- you know, saying racially hurtful things right. or incidents like these? Uh, uh, so I just wanted to put this in here, right, because this connects to this question in terms of resources. So one, I'm not a student of, of color, and I don't want to speak for what student of uh, students of color need, because I don't know that. Um, so the other thing about this, too, is like, first, actually, um, I think it, it can, st- uh, we need to start with changing the way that we talk about these things, uh, even before we can get to these conversations. The fact that we can't even, like, label these things as uh 
white supremacist actions, right? We're still using the words of bias motivated, et cetera, like today in Joyce McConnell's speech, couldn't even say that this was white supremacist, right? We're still really leaning on racism and this idea of racism that everybody can actually enact racism, which is wildly inaccurate, right? Um, and then the other thing too, in terms of changing these conversations, is that we also have to talk about like the like in terms of freedom of speech and what we're allowed to say is we're really limited because of source funding. And so until CSU actually looks at the fact that it's getting um, money from donors that are like supportive of conservative issues that fund the way that limits our conversations, any conversations that we have around these issues, even as students, is going to be severely limited because they're going to we're going to be told that we have to stay in within these safe parameters that don't threaten funding. And so if we actually want to have change, we need to request that the base funding changes so that we can get to the critical axis of this, which is a culture of white supremacy. Gotcha. Wow. Thank you, Erica. Uh, Deborah, do you have anything you'd like to add about resources you'd like to see on campus? Um, well, I don't have anything to add about like getting resources, but I do know that the back office is a really good place to go um, if you just need someone to talk to because they were actually really helpful when it came to this situation, I went down to the office and spoke with Emerald. She's like one of the coordinators for it. And she was just very helpful and kind of just like helped me to see what I could do and like where my place was on this campus because I felt very uncomfortable um, after this incident. So yeah, I think the back office is a great resource and we should continue to have that. I'm glad to hear that was that you found that helpful and I hope other students will too. That's awesome. Um, we are going to go on a quick break before we come back where we have uh, two experts, one of whom is a member of student government here and one of whom uh, works for Project Voice down in Denver. Um, but before we do, uh, I want to thank all three of you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate having you here and uh, hearing some other opinions. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you guys so much. Um, your opinions are very respected and very wanted here so thank you guys for taking the time to come out come out of your busy days and spend it here and explain to our listeners a little bit more about this situation from different viewpoints thank you yeah, thank you for, having, you for us. having us no problem um we're going to take this break but we do have another question during the break uh what questions do people have about getting involved is our next question um and if you do have questions about getting involved uh, you can shoot us a text at 970-491-5278. That is 970-491-5278. Or you can comment on our Facebook live stream, uh, leave a comment on our Facebook posts or our Twitter posts at KCSUFM. We will be back. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ren Wadsworth. And I'm Maximus Hunter. We just heard some voices of CSU students giving us their opinion, and now we turn to an outside opinion. Uh, Brianna Hill, our guest today, um, is a graduate of the Ethnic Studies program at CU Boulder. And Brianna has since gone on to become a program assistant for Project Voice, which is an organization based out of Denver, which works with uh, youths from uh, underprivileged or underrepresented communities to uh, develop leadership skills and fight oppression. Uh, so we sat down with Bri, to ask them their opinion on the events at CSU from an outside perspective. Uh, without any further ado, here's Project Voices, Brianna Hill. All right, Bri, thanks for joining us. Yeah, of course. Hello again, Max. Just to get this started, 
uh, I'd love to know uh, what's your what's your background? What do you do? Um, so my name is Brianna Hill. Um, my pronouns are they and theirs. Um, I identify as a black queer non-binary person of good faith. I think um, I'm a recent college grad from the University of Colorado Boulder with a major in ethnic studies, and now I'm currently working for a nonprofit down in Denver called Project Voice that trains, employs, and organizes youth color to tackle on issues in their community. That's awesome. Would you be willing to describe what you think um, institutional racism is? Yeah, of course. So for me, I feel as if institutional racism is a form of racism that is expressed in the practice of social and political institutions. So through healthcare, education, police force, the criminal justice system, or housing, um, that racism that stops people of color in an institutional setting is institutional racism to me. It creates a caste system based off of ideology and like another person's individual thoughts. Could you go a, a little deeper into how that uh, institutional structure uh, affects individuals? Yeah, of course. So say if, I don't know, say if I got arrested with my other friend who presents as white. Um, and we both have the same thing that happened. We both got arrested for the same exact thing, and I got a longer sentence than my other friend did. That's institutional racism based off of my own race, because we did the same thing, and yet I don't have the same amount of sentencing as the person I got arrested with. Or if you went to, like, the hospital, and, like, you didn't get enough service because of your race, and yet someone else did. So going a little more in-depth into the situation at CSU and the blackface incident, um, what do you think the students in the picture can do to address the hurt that they caused? Um, not make it about themselves. Um, I recently read the statement, I forget her name, but the one some identified person in the picture um, stated, was like, it was an apology, but like it really was about her. Um, and it's, it didn't help at all in the situation because she wasn't owning up to what she actually did. And now she's like playing like the blame thing where it's like, Oh, now people are being mean to me. I'm upset. So it's like, don't make it about yourself. Like put action into the things that you've done and like talk to the community that you hurt and see what like resolutions come to. I like that because that's uh, very similar to a lot of things we've been hearing people say that these students should do. Um, do you think that that uh, recent incident we had here ties into institutional racism? Absolutely. I feel like students of color get more of a punishment than white students. That's on my own personal experience. Like, coming out of college, like, I've noticed that, like, I get more kind of of the bad raps than, like, other white students who, like, do protesting on campus. Like, that's my experience. So I feel like institutional racism definitely plays into that because, like, clearly CSU isn't doing as much as it should be doing for its students of color, for its black students. And that's probably because these students were white in the picture. Right. Yeah. Would you mind giving us an example of uh, a time you felt like you experienced that in your own experience? Yeah. So um, while I was at CU Boulder, I was, um, I was an activist on campus. And so I did a lot of things on campus, like protesting or demonstrations and stuff like that. And there was this one event where um, I got my student group and a couple of other student groups to chalk the sidewalks in protest of um, Donald Trump's presidency. Um, and we chalked like all of campus, like from the football stadium to like our planetarium, like it's a large campus and like we chalked everything. 
Um, and then the morning, like, come that, like, everything has been washed away. Like, all of our stuff was washed away. Like, they didn't leave a single trace of all of our chalk drawings. Um, and then two weeks from then, the uh, white fraternities and sororities started chalking for their, like, recruitment process. And they did it, like, there, there are rules that you have to do for chalking with. Like, you can't chalk, like, two feet in front of a building. You can't chalk diagonally. Like, stuff right. like that. But their stuff, like, stayed for months. That's fascinating because the exact same right. thing happened here, actually, and that, that kind of made some news is that we had students chalking in the common areas and uh, that chalking got erased while other chalking was not erased, and even though it's against our school's policy to erase student chalking. Mm-hmm. Especially yep. on our uh, Lori Student Center Plaza, which has been famously known as a free speech zone. Oh, yeah. The Sea Boulder has the, the fountains where it's like a free speech zone, but like... What exactly is free speech for who? What do you think as a campus we could do as a as an organization to better address incidents like this in the future? Um, that's a really big question. I feel like for me, like as I was a student, I actually want my university to listen to what I and other students have to say. Um, I saw recently on my friend's Instagram post that like I think. I think she was a dean or something. She was at the meeting, but she was on her phone. She wasn't clearly engaged. She wasn't, like, listening. And then she left for part of the meeting, but then came back. I feel like in that situation, like, you need to listen to what your students have to say. And if not, then you don't deserve to, like, work at a university. Like, you should put your students first instead of anything else. Since you have a little bit of outsider um, insight, do you personally think that CSU is generally more tolerant of racism than other universities? Maybe. <laughs> um, I feel like any, like, predominantly white institution is more tolerant that, like, to racism than anything else. Um, that can go for literally every, every institution. Now that I'm thinking about it, every institution has institutional racism, so they're going to be tolerant of racism. Right. Um, I feel like in my case, I've, since I was at CU Boulder, I didn't hear that much from CSU. I heard a lot from CU Boulder, though, so I'm not entirely sure how to answer that because of my perspective, like, at CU and, like, getting it firsthand, like, from myself and from other people where it's like, oh, this racism thing just happened, like, five times in a week. Yeah. So do you think that this might not be a CSU-specific problem, but more a problem that many colleges and universities are facing nowadays? Absolutely. I feel like I see a lot of news posts where it's like, these students did this, but racism happened on this institution. And then nothing happens after that. Like there's no headlines after that. Right. Like we just kind of leave our institutions in the dark to just like forget about it and sweep it underneath the rug instead of like blatantly like bringing it out to the front and like discussing it. So do you think that that's indicative of a culture more accepting of racism or of a culture that's trying harder to root out racism and it being fought against? Both. I feel like in some cases, like, it has happened on both sides. Or do you think that it's more just because it's an uncomfortable topic that students don't want to talk about? We, um... Yeah, I mean, I feel like no one wants to talk about racism unless it's actually happening to them. Um, and that's a really sad truth of America where, like, the people who are talking about racism is, like, the people who are being targeted by racism. And I think that's something we need to change because, like, racism isn't going to go away unless we have a conversation about it. Right. That's the truth. 
All right, Bree, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with us today. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. It's been wonderful to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for your insight and your opinions on this situation. And that was Brianna Hill from Project Voice. Thank you so much, Bree, for sitting down and chatting with us. Uh, we really appreciated the time talking to you. Uh, we're about to go on another break, but we do have another question we'd like to pose to our listeners. Uh, that question is, what do you think CSU can do to combat uh, future uh, racist incidents? You can text us your answer at 970-491-5278. That's 970-491-KCSU. Or you could comment on our Facebook uh, live video. We have Facebook posts you could comment. That's under KCSU-FM. Or you could comment to, uh, reply to our tweets at KCSU-FM. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Ren Wadsworth. I'm Maximus Hunter. And, and we're joined in studio by the Collegian's news director, Raven Culler. Hello, hello. Hey, Raven. <laughs> so uh, during the break, we did receive a question from a listener uh, asking us what uh, what other incidents have happened on campus besides uh, last week's blackface posting. Uh, and Raven, you, you know a little bit about that. So would you mind giving us some details on some of the history of racist incidents at CSU? Sure. So um, I've been doing some fairly extensive research uh, over the last week or so into kind of the incidences that have been happening on campus within the last five-ish years. Um, there was a significant uptick in at least reported incidences um, or incidences that were reported on after the 2016 election. Um, the fall of 2017 started off with, uh, the discovery of a noose in Newsom Hall or a fake noose made of uh, crepe paper. Uh, that was a video of that was taken by the only black resident of that hall and put online. Um, it got over 13,000 views. Um, the university responded with some open forums on race and uh obviously tony frank sent an email at the time um that incident was followed up by similar incidences that year so um a mannequin was discovered covered in what what were being called nazi symbols um in the dumpster near moby i believe um there was an image on snapchat of a freshman in durward hall who had a large swastika painted on her arm. It had the red um, band and the Nazi swastika. Um, that student was identified, and according to the Collegians' coverage at the time, um, Residence Life uh, took actions after that. Um, then you have in 2018, uh, one of the big events that happened on campus during 2018 is uh, Charlie Kirk came to speak on campus. There was about 200 people in a protest, counter-protest, that involved uh, some white nationalist groups and Antifa. Uh, that protest was relatively calm. There are some reports of some pockets of violence, but for the most part, it was, it was fairly calm. Um, there have been things like white supremacist flyers found in Clark, um, or posted near or in Clark. Um, and then we, of course, have the incident in 2018 um, in which two Native American students joined their tour of the campus late, and a parent who was also on the tour called the campus police, um, saying that the students seemed suspicious. 
based on how they looked and dressed. Um, so the tricky thing is, uh, we've had recently reports of other incidences that have happened during these time periods. We've been told about them that were just not reported, um, just weren't communicated to the campus community. But over the last couple of years, there have been a, a number of incidences largely involving, um, symbols that are discriminatory or derogatory um, towards different groups. And the term that the university often uses to describe them um, are either racial or bias-motivated incidences. Um, basically, that means that whatever it is, is it falls under the purview of um, threatening or uh, intimidating trying to intimidate others based on their their race, their religion, their gender. Um, so the, there have been quite a few incidences within the last five years that fall under that purview. Um, and all of them have been responded to by the university in fairly similar ways. Most of them get an email from the president. Um, of course, for all of those incidences, incidences that president was uh, Dr. Tony Frank. Um, and then a lot of them were followed up by some sort of discussion on whatever happened. Some of them were open forums. Some of them were um, closed door meetings. Um, some of them were responses in ASCSU. Um, obviously, to up to this point, the response to this incident by the university has been along the similar lines. Um, the last time, though, that a large um, sit-in at a, a, an ASCSU session um, occurred and kind of produced anything was in 2015. Um, there was some internal stuff happening at ASCSU, and there was a, a decently large sit-in at one of their sessions that prompted the passage of, after some, you know, hard-fought uh, uh, protest work prompt the passage of the diversity bill in ASCSU, which is what now allows um, diversity offices to have senators on the ASCSU Senate. Um, so that is mirrors some of what is had has happened around this incident um, within the last week. Awesome! Thank you so much for that timeline, Raven. Yeah, thank you so much for coming in. Um, that's going to conclude our show today, but we are really glad that we've had everyone in here talking about this incident happened last week and bringing attention to the fact that this may not be a new occurrence on CSU's campus right. and some things we could do to change and improve and just lots of powerful things to think about. Uh, if you missed part of this episode and want to hear it back, they will all be uploaded to kcsufm.com as well as last week's episode where we spoke to a Princeton professor about uh, how to help educate white people on race. Right. Um, we will continue to be updating you on more coverage of the situation as it progresses. Uh, Raven, if you want to talk about a little bit about what the Collegian's going to be covering. Yeah, of course. So you can find all of our past coverage, coverage of the gallery session last night um, and the interview on our website. And then today we'll have... Uh, an article about the passage of the two resolutions that went out in ASCSU Senate coming out tonight, as well as one article about um, McConnell's speech today and another about the protests that happened at it. Uh, I also know that CTV will be posting the full raw footage of the gallery session, and I believe uh, the session 
during which the resolutions were passed last night. Um, that may take them a couple of days just because the gallery session itself was three hours right. and that's a lot of footage to deal with. Um, but I know that all of that is going to be going up in its entirety. I believe AS or no, sorry, CTV also has some um, raw footage of interviews with students also going up very soon. Right. I think CTV is uh, continuing their story on the impact this has had on students tonight. Um, and also next Tuesday, we're going to be interviewing Hanine Badri on our show. So stay tuned for that because this will just be a continuation of our story. But, um, oh, go ahead, Max. Thanks. Uh, we're going to ask uh, our listeners one final question. And since the show is about over, we won't have a chance to answer this on the air, but we'd still love to hear your input. And that question, and I think that's the big question that we can take away from all of this, is what can CSU do to be better next time or to prevent there from being a next time? Right. We'd really love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, and I know we're going to be thinking about that as well. But it is the end of our show. And as per tradition, we can't end our show without giving a couple thanks to everybody who was on our show and everybody who helped our show be what it is. Well, we've got to thank Damien Castile, first of all, because he is the one who wrote the song the that song. is going to be playing in three, two, one. Thank you, Damien. There it goes. There it goes. But we have a lot of thanks to get through today because we've had a lot of very special guests. So uh, I want to just trade them off. First of all, let's thank Erica LaFair. Uh, Erica LaFair, thank you so much for coming on. We know you have a busy schedule. We really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. And then next, we want to thank Bree Hill for giving us that wonderful phone interview that we got to do before our show. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, we'd like to thank Raven Color, who is currently sitting right in front of us for not only coming on the show twice to talk about stuff, but also helping us set all this up. Uh, you've been, uh, we wouldn't have been able to do this without you. You're a huge asset. Uh, we want to thank Edgar Cedillo for his report on how this has impacted students around CSU's campus. Uh, we'd like to thank Joshua Oldehoff for coming in and chatting. And then we want to thank Deborah for also coming in and chatting and really telling us what happened during that event. Yes, uh, of course, as always, we'd like to thank Hannah Copeland, Julia Badalis, uh, Zay, Pete, everyone in the studio who allows us to do such an awesome show where we talk about important stuff. Uh, we couldn't do this without you, naturally. Yeah, and we have to thank our amazing videographers in the studio, Desiree and Taylor, as well as our awesome social media promotions uh, director. That would be Asher. And of course, I have to thank Max. And I got to thank you, Ren. Yeah. And thank you, listeners. We have to thank you. We'll catch you next time.